Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. It's Irene Weinberg, the creator and host of Grief and Rebirth podcast, warmly welcoming you to this sixth season of Grief and Rebirth, where I continue to interview amazing grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and people who have inspiring life stories to share. Today, I am so very thrilled to announce that Grief and Rebirth podcast has been downloaded over 10,000 times since we began broadcasting only two years ago. My sincere thank you to all of you who have subscribed to this podcast on the many social media platforms and also through my website, IreneWeinberg.com. That's W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G as well as my very heartfelt thanks to those of you who have told us how these interviews have brought healing support both to your lives and the lives of those you love. As a reminder, please be sure to like Irene Weinberg and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks. Season six is about to bring you 12 more healing, enlightening, and insights-filled interviews, beginning with Brian Smith, our wonderful, inspiring first guest of this new season. I met Brian through his incredible work as a co-leader of Helping Parents Heal, the remarkable online group dedicated to assisting bereaved parents by providing support and resources to aid in the healing process. I myself have been interviewed for two United States Helping Parents Heal online events and for one United Kingdom Helping Parents Heal online event. After Brian's beautiful daughter, Shana, passed at the age of 15, Brian made it his mission to help others who are dealing with death and a fear of death. He is a life coach and grief partner who consults with people both to help them find their way through grief and find purpose in their lives. The name of Brian's company dedicated to this mission is grief2growth.com. And I'm going to spell it for all of you. It's grief, the number two, growth.com. Brian, it is so great to have you on Grief and Rebirth podcast. Let's begin with this question about your journey. Can you please tell us about the passing of your daughter at age 15 in 2015 and how this led you to help others who are dealing with death and a fear of death? Thanks, Irene. I appreciate that. First of all, I want to say congratulations to you on 10,000 downloads and on the success of your book and and the podcast. Um, I read your book a couple of times and it was fun interviewing you for the show. So, or for Parents Heal. So it's great to be here. Thank you. Um, yeah, what led me to to this after Shana's passing? First of all, let me just tell you a little bit about my daughter, Shana. Um, Shana was 15 years old when she passed away suddenly uh, in June of 2015. Uh, she was a healthy child. Um, she played basketball and volleyball both at a national level. She just played a volleyball tournament the week before in Florida, uh, the national finals. 
Yeah. And um, we come back home and we went to wake her up on the morning of June 24, 2015, and she didn't wake up. Um, she had had a mild heart condition, which she had, was actually not even, we had a couple of procedures on it, but the, the cardiologist said they weren't necessary. Uh, it wasn't life-threatening, supposedly. Uh, so this was a, a total shock to us. But um, Shana was, as all fathers would say, a special child, but she was. I mean, Shana she was. was. Oh, my she, goodness, yes. She, and I, I, and I, I, I tend not to talk about Shana in the past because, first of all, I want to say Shana is still with us. And Shana is an inspiration for, for everything that I do. Um, so really about five days after Shana passed, I just got the idea that I needed to start a blog uh, about Shana. I, I blogged before. I, I like to write a lot. Um, but it's like, I'm going to write a blog about Shana. So I've done that. It's at uh, shanaelaine.com. And her name is S-H-A-Y-N-A. Elaine is E-L-A-Y-N-E. So that blog is out there and it has over a thousand posts at this point. And it's just basically a kind of an open diary, my grief journey, you know, what I've been through, what I've discovered. And by um, the way, I have to say, I have read many entries of your blog and they're so worthwhile for people to read there. And you write beautifully. Well, I've thanks. so much. I, I have to, that had to be Shana. I mean, I don't know why five days after she passed, I decided to just start writing all this stuff down. Um, but I did. And then after that, it was just a crazy amount of synchronicities. I would take hours to explain all of them to you. But, you know, meeting people and helping parents heal. Someone referred me to Mark Ireland, who's one of the co-founders. And Mark and I corresponded back and forth. Uh, it involved a trip to Phoenix where I met Elizabeth Bassan because I just happened to be there on vacation. And that's where she lives. And she's one of the co-founders of Helping Parents Heal. So all these things, and we in Helping Parents Heal believe our kids are on the other side orchestrating all this, by the way. I don't, I don't believe in coincidence anymore. Uh, my background is I'm an engineer, very analytical. I always thought the universe is kind of like, you know, if there's a God, he's kind of wound it up and let it go. Um, the more I learn about the way the universe works, the more I believe it's actually magical and there are no mistakes and no, there are no accidents, including the passing of Shana. I mean, I think that there was a reason for it. So Shana is, uh, her, her passing was a big catalyst to really kick into high gear, you know, what I'm doing now. Oh, wow. And let me ask you, you say you're both a life coach and a grief partner. Could you describe how you work to help people in each of these areas and do they naturally go together? Yeah, I am. I am a certified life coach, which includes about seven different areas of life that typically a life coach will help in. And we can, we can go into the, what those are later. But because of my experience with Shana and grief, I feel like I can bring a special emphasis of that to people who are grieving, uh, especially, and most especially parents. Um, grief is, you know, we, it's something we all go through at some point. And I don't like to compare pain, but when, you, when a parent loses a child, you expect your child to outlive you. I mean, it's just Absolutely. a natural explanation, uh, expectation of life. So when a parent loses a child, I think it's, it's a compounded grief or a complicated grief. And most grief, we can actually work through on our own. I mean, grief is a part of life, and, and most people work through grief. It's not a disease. It's not an illness. Most of us can work through it on our own, unless it's what's called complicated grief, which could be something that's caused by, say, trauma or maybe discovering a gruesome scene or feeling like you're, you know, you're, you're contributed to the person's passing. Or I think the passing of a child 
really tends to come. Oh my goodness, that would that would trigger everything. Right, right. So I think in those cases, working with somebody who's a partner can be helpful. Now I'm not a I'm not a certified grief uh, licensed grief coach. I but I am a person who can can lend a, an ear and understand what you're going through. And I've worked with several parents that have said, you know, I'm going to talk to someone who knows what I've gone through, not just has read a book about it, but actually has been there and, and looked, walked it out. Um, I would say you're a compassionate partner, though, because you have a special understanding from your own experience. I think so. I think that I think that really gives me, you know, like I said, when when someone says to me, you know, for example, a lot of parents will say, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, when your kid passes, you want to be where your kid is. Now, when someone else hears something like that, they think, well, that's, that's really terrible. That's an awful thing to say. You shouldn't even think that. But and the parents and helping parents heal, when someone says that in our group, we all kind of go, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Um, and it, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily suicidal or you're going to take action on it, but it's just a feeling that you have when you're person that you're responsible for, the person that, you know, my daughter was 15. She still lived with me. She was a freshman in high school. So you wonder, you know, where is she? I want to be there. I want to be there to take care of her. It's a natural feeling that a parent's going to have that someone else might not understand. And I can talk parents through that because I've been through it. And, you know, when your child passes, you, you don't think you're going to make it to the next morning. When people talk to you about next week or next month, you know, you just, you just shut down because you don't want to live a long time without your kid. You want to see them as soon as possible. So again, I can talk a parent through, you know, maybe why this happened, what you can do in the meantime, how do you connect with your child? Because I believe your child is still here. Your child still wants to connect with you. Your child will connect with you if you can learn how to connect with them. And that helps us get through day by day to get to that time where we do see them again. Absolutely. And I have to say, it's, not with a child, but it's worked for me. What you're saying has worked for me with my husband. And I've been, you know, these modalities have helped me there too. Mm-hmm. Could you share with our listeners your journey moving from grief to helping parents heal to becoming a life coach, which you've sort of touched on, but as a life coach, how are you able to help a grieving person in ways that their good friend can't help them? Well, that's a really good question. And, um, my journey actually starts before Shana's passing. I was raised in a fundamentalist Christian home and was very feel fearful of God because of that. So I had a, an, an intense fear of death myself yes. for many, many years before Shana was even born. Um, so because of all that, I did a lot of studying about the afterlife, about near-death experiences, after-death after death communications, et cetera, et cetera, for, again, probably 20 years before Shana passed. So the thing is, I was kind of prepared in a sense that I never wondered where Shana was, not for a moment. I always knew Shana was okay. So that, that was one thing I didn't have to deal with. But um, having learned all that, helping me deal with it, I was like, I've got to share this with other people mm-hmm. that don't have this advantage when they have. Right, exactly. So my wife and I, we get help from Helping Parents Heal. And Helping Parents Heal has saved thousands of lives. I mean, I don't think that's an exaggeration to say that. So we got help from Helping Parents Heal, and I quickly wanted to be contributing to that. So I volunteered with Helping Parents Heal. Uh, I run the online group, which is about 4,500 people, I believe, at this point, with Tracy Susie, who you've had in your program. Yes. Uh, my wife, Twana, and uh, Beth West. So we run that together. And again, just things keep happening. I listened to Suzanne Giesman's radio podcast. 
uh, radio show. And she had a guy on there named George Cow, who's a business coach. And I really resonate with George. So I reached out to George and I joined the program he's got called Master Heart. And through that, someone said, you should become a life coach. This is kind of what you're doing anyway. So I got my life coach certification and, you know, put up the website and I'm, I'm doing that. So all these things are kind of a, I think, a natural progression of what I'm here to do. And that's what, and in a way I can so relate because of when I lost my husband, when you read my book, you saw that I also had a natural progression of unusual things that were happening, but I went with it. And here I am with you today too. Yeah. Right. So thank you, Brian. We're going to take a quick break to allow a minute for our sponsors who keep this podcast free for our listeners. We'll be right back. We're back. Thanks for tuning in to my illuminating interview today with Brian Smith. Let's continue on with Brian with this question. Brian, please tell us why you believe that life is about fulfillment, not happiness or wealth. Well, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. The thing is, um, people tend to pursue, for example, wealth and thinking it's going to make them happy. They're going to be fulfilled. Um, and it, it's interesting to me because as long as we don't actually have that wealth, we can kind of, you know, hope that one day we'll get it and then we'll be happy. But if you look at people that have a great deal of wealth, often they're the most miserable people on the planet. And I believe it's because they've gotten what they thought they were after. They're, they're not happy and they have nowhere else to turn. So I don't believe that wealth will bring happiness. Um, and happiness is a fleeting thing. Happiness comes and goes depending on circumstances. So fulfillment is something that you can actually drive from within. Um, it's, it's what you, so you can control how fulfilled you are by what you do, the way you think about things rather than depending on circumstances. So that's one of the things in my, in my life coaching that I talk about is um, I help people identify exactly who are you, first of all, you know, what are your core beliefs? What are your core values? What do you want out of life? Really, really, what do you want to get? So we'll examine these seven basic areas and see where are you out of balance or where, where you think you should place more emphasis and then helping people to, to kind of round out their life and to, to do what I think you came here to do. I believe that we all come here with the plan as souls and that one of the big things about life, people always like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Your purpose is to love and to be loved and to serve other people. And I think it's really that simple. So you've given, you've been given a set of skills and, and likes and dislikes and you go over that. And how do I serve other people is, you know, a question that we need to answer. But that's, I think the underlying goal that we all have or the underlying purpose that we all have for being here. Well, on that note, you, you talked about it. You have all these primary areas of focus, which include career, money, handling routine responsibilities, giving back, health and recreation, grief, entrepreneurship, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, and relationships. Wow, you about covered it all, Brian. Can you briefly speak to these areas of focus and what a person can gain from your coaching in these areas? Sure. Um, if you go to my website, to grieftogrowth.com, that's grief, the number two, growth.com, and click on the services area, you can see I break down uh, the uh, service offer into these basically nine kind of buckets. I think everybody's life kind of has the seven major buckets, which are on, on the site, the physical health 
And um, let me look at it over here real quick. Physical health and recreation, uh, money, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, giving back, career and education, social and family relationships, and routine responsibilities. So these, are, these are areas in all of our lives we have to handle. We've got to take care of, for example, paying the bills. If you don't get the bills paid or routine responsibility, things are going to be bad. Um, social and family relationships, you know, so we, we look at these different areas. So those are, like I said, the kind of seven areas that we're going to focus on through some of the surveys and stuff I do. Now, if someone comes to me for grief, then we're going to focus on grief. And again, I focus on that because unfortunately, I'm kind of an expert on that. Having gone through what, I, what I've gone through with Shana. As far as the small business consulting goes, I've been running my own small business now for 17 years. I started my online uh, store in 2002. Uh, I came through a background of, of uh, corporate sales. I worked for IBM, Sun Microsystems, so I know a lot about sales and marketing, things like that. And I'm, a, I'm an engineer by trade, so I kind of, or by, by training, so I know a lot of hands-on stuff. You were, I were talking earlier about Zoom and how do I do a podcast, for example. I've had people ask me, how do I set up a podcast? So I help people with things like that. Um, and sometimes it's as, as, as basic as what is a podcast or uh, so things like that. Which I can totally relate to. How do you help a person to find purpose in life if the person has absolutely no clue about what purpose in life even is? Yeah, well, as I said, I think we all have a basic purpose in life, which is to, to love, to be loved and to serve other people. So we, I start with that kind of foundation. But then when people want to get more specific, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a mother the other day who had lost her daughter um, about a year or so ago. And she's like, I want to do something to give back to the world. Um, I want to do something in the spiritual, you know, profession. So I'm going to, I'm going to open a store and do this. So I, you know, I was talking to her about like, well, let's talk about what that would take. So as a small business consultant, I would say, you know, you're going to have to have capital do that. You're going to have to learn about marketing how to build a website, et cetera, et cetera. We talk about those things. But I said, let's take a step back. You know, you're saying you want to do something to, something big to really serve the world. Uh, you two, I still have two small daughters at home. As a mother, that is a very, you know, useful purpose. And a lot of times people, I think, are fulfilling their purpose without really giving themselves credit because they think I've got to do something big. So one of my favorite sayings is grow where you're planted. So we don't have to go out and try to find something outside of what we're already doing. You know, do what you're doing right now and do it well and understand, you know, this might be the season of your life to do that thing and then plan for doing other things later. But when people go through life reviews, what they find out is the big things, what we call the big things, aren't necessarily the things that really get the big bang in a life review. It's, it's taking care of our kids. It's smiling at a stranger. It's, you know, it's the, it's the quote, little things that are really big. So I try to, uh, I find with a lot of my clients, I end up, I've got to build them up first instead of saying, oh yeah, well, you need, you need to do this. And once you do this, then you'll be fulfilled. I'm like, let's take a step back and let's give yourself credit for what you're doing right now. By the way, for those who don't even know this, when we cross over, we get a life review. Yeah. I, so some people are like, what is he talking about with a life review? And by the way, that is true. And I not only, that I was that channeled to me from my husband for my book, but in many, many books, nonfiction, they talk about that we all cross over and we get a life review and we yeah. get to experience some of the not so wonderful stuff that we did to others. So it's, that's about being conscious in life and how you, and how you are in life. 
you have an audio book coming out shortly. Will you be talking to that or what are you planning to speak about in your audio book? Uh, well, my audio book should be out probably from the time we're recording this in about a week or so. And this is uh, just this July 8th. We're recording this uh, to 2019. Um, the audio book is basically my philosophy on how to deal with grief. Um, it's grief to growth. Um, and I, my, the subtitles planted, not buried, because I believe when these tragic things happen to us, we feel like we've been buried, but I believe that's actually a time where we're planted. And that's when we actually have our greatest potential is after tragedies happen. And then the second subtitle is how to survive and thrive after life's greatest challenges. Mm -hmm. So it's basically the things that I've done over the last four years since Shana passed to survive grief. So I talk about, first of all, what is grief? What can you expect? What type of emotions will you expect? How will your friends react? How will your family react? Um, I talk to people about how to talk to a grieving person, things to say, things to not say. And then I go through a series of things like what you should do to survive grief, you know, exercise, take care of yourself, meditation, uh, eventually service to others, you know, things of that nature. So actually, um, ironically or coincidentally, or maybe synchronistically, I just hit the publish button this morning on the ebook and the uh, paperback book. So they're available on Amazon. Uh, I've got the audio files back. I'll be launching the audio book probably in a week or so. That's wonderful. And good luck with that. And while we're talking, how about telling the people what is the best way to talk to someone who's had a terrible loss? Because I'm sure a lot of us feel very inept and say all the wrong things. You know, the thing is, yes, and even I, who have been through this, and I deal with parents every day, you don't know what to say because words are inadequate. So, you know, you want to be cautious about saying, saying things like, you know, God needed another angel, which makes it sound like God needed your loved one more than you did. Um, you want to be cautious, which, but which, it's really about listening because people that are in grief, they want to talk. So it's, it's about listening. It's about um you want to focus on the, on the griever as opposed to the person that, you know, you want to focus on them. So what you want to do is say things like, I don't really know exactly how you're feeling, but I know it must be, you know, hard. And, um, and you, a lot of people will say, well, what can, let me know anything I can do to help. That's a very common thing to say. And I still say it myself because I fall back into that. But again, someone's in grief, they may not know what they need. So the more, more specific you can be, the better. So for example, if you know they have small children, maybe take their kids and watch their kids for a night, and let them have a night out or offer to, you know, clean their house or make a meal for them or cut their grass or something, something specific um, that the griever doesn't have to you know really come up with. So there's a, there's a few things I've written in the book about like things to say and to not say, but it's again, it's about being caring or, and just listening. Well, that's really good advice to people. What if you tell people who, if the griever is, uh, someone who's decided to pull, they're, they've just withdrawn from everyone. Um, and a person doesn't know how to respond to you. Just kind of love that person and let them do their thing. Yeah. You have to understand that grief is different for everybody and everybody, you know, grieves in their own way. Um, I, I think the best thing to do is just to let people know that you're available for them and, you know, maybe continue to let them know gently. Some people are going to want solitude to to process and it may it may take them a little while to do that on their own um so you really don't want to push them too hard and right. I said, everybody grieves differently i in the case i've found with siblings of, of children who have passed a lot of times they get very quiet they don't they don't want to talk about it and a lot of our a lot of the parents will say i've got to get them to talk i've got to get them to talk 
well, they may not really want to talk to you because it's still too raw and they're concerned about what you're going through. So like, for example, my daughter, uh, Kayla, who's three years older than Shana, I said, Kayla, I want to make sure you have someone you can talk to. So do you have, are your friends talking to you? Are you, is your, are your, is your boyfriend talking to you? You may not necessarily need to talk to me, but just do you have someone? And I would just check in with her like that and just let her process it at her own pace. And, you know, now four years later, she's doing really, really well. I would imagine you'd be fantastic about helping people how to deal with their, their other children who are, you know, struggling with this issue and, and, and all of that. I mean, sibling grief, that, that's got to be a huge yeah, uh, issue for people. It is. And sibling grief is different from parental grief. Um, siblings, a lot of times they're concerned about what the parents are going through. They've got the added thing. A lot of times as parents, when our child passes, we either want to totally ignore them and pretend they didn't exist, the one that, that passed, or we idolize them. And we, like in my case, Shana's pictures up all over the house, you know, and it's my screensaver. And we talk about Shana all the time. So you've got to be careful or be conscious of the other child to let them know that they're important also, that, you know, that it's not just all about the child that has crossed it's over, done. but the child is still here. It's still just as important in your life. And so that's a conscious effort that my wife and I, you know, made with Kayla. So right after Shana passed, we took a family trip together, the three of us. We said, let's, let's go, the three of us. And, and we went up to a lake. It's about three hours from here. We spent the weekend, you know, with, with Kayla. I'm like, Kayla, no, Kayla, we're still here for you. You know, you're still, you know, you're obviously very important to us. So you, sometimes you have to make even a little bit more of an effort with that sibling to make sure that they understand that they're loved and because they might sort of feel left out. And they may feel they have to perform even greater to take the place of the child who's passed. And that is not their responsibility. They, they still have to just be who they are. Yeah. And yeah, now exactly. they have this added dimension that's come into their lives. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So as I said, it's something that you've got to kind of, you know, navigate very carefully through with that other child. Now, in, in the case of my daughters, Kayla was in a, a major that she wasn't, really into. She was doing it for the money for the most part. And she decided after Shana passed, life's too short. I'm going to do something that I really enjoy. So she's gone into psychology and she wants to work with children. Oh, so, that's wonderful. You no, know, Shana has made an impact on her because Shana was very much like that. Shana was a live life by the moment. Do was the most fulfilling thing for me right now. She, she was only 15 when she passed, but she wanted to experience everything. And she did. And so she's, she still inspires Kayla to this day. She inspires her big sister to be more spontaneous, to be more open, to be more, um, you know, doing what makes her feel good. That's great. Has, has your daughter also communicated with Shana through mediums and all of that? Or does she have her own way of uh, checking? You know, she I have to be careful with Kayla because she is, she's 22 years old. So she right. still has yeah, that's her privacy. Mean, that's that age. Yep. Yeah. But uh, Kayla is very intuitive. So I will just say that she has been in touch with Shana. In her way. Um, she, when we first started talking to mediums, she was very skeptical about mediums. She said, how can they talk to Shana when they don't know her? That doesn't, you know, didn't make sense to her. Um, but uh, yeah, I, she's had, I think she's had one medium reading, but she and Shane have their own communication. They were, they were three years apart in age, but they're very, very much like twins. They had their own language that they spoke to each other. Um, so they're still very connected. That's wonderful. 
Do you have a message about the importance of healing to share with our listeners? Well, um, think of, again, when it comes to grief, um, it's kind of a natural thing that we do progress through grief. So I, I think it's important that we don't get too caught up sometimes about like, I've got to heal this or because I think for most grief, people kind of progress through it naturally. So I will say that not everybody needs to come to a grief coach. Um, everybody needs to go to a, a grief counselor or a life coach. Um, cause usually people kind of get over on their own, but what I will say is, um, grief if handled properly can actually, and this is why my site's called grief to growth and the book is grief to growth. Grief can lead to some of the greatest growth in your life if you allow it. So the first thing is you've got to understand that it's going to take a while. Um, you've got to allow it to happen, you know, the way it's going to happen to honor your grief, to honor the other person's grief that say you're in a relationship because everybody's going to grieve differently. Um, and, you know, there's some debate about whether or not you can be healed from grief. Um, I say yes and no. Um, you can learn to live with the grief. And the analogy I use is like, say you're lifting weights and you're lifting, a, say it's a 25-pound weight. At first, that weight's going to feel very heavy to you. Uh, but as you learn, as you lift as, as, a, as a weightlifter, eventually it's going to feel lighter and lighter and you can carry it around with ease. I think it's the same thing with grief. You're going to carry the grief for the re remainder of the time you're here, but you'll be given strength to deal with it. Um, I will always miss Shana until the day that I see her again with, with, when I close my physical eyes and open my spiritual eyes, I'll miss her every day. And I don't, I don't want to not miss her. So I will always grieve her, but the grief is a blessing in a sense in that it's, it's motivated me to do what I'm doing. Uh, it, it drives me. Shana pushes me. She, I, I have her, I have two monitors in my office. So whenever I'm doing these interviews, I have my uh, daughter or my other, or my two daughters and my wife on this monitor. So I always feel her looking at me when I'm doing, doing interviews or when I'm coaching or anything, because Shana is what drives me. And Shana has come through mediums and said, daddy, you got to finish that book. Daddy, you got to do this. I, I, Shana's the one that told me to write the blog. I didn't hear her voice, but why would I write a, start writing a blog five days after she passed? So, um, yeah, I think as far as healing goes, know that there's hope. And I know in those first days, it doesn't feel like it. And I, and I got to tell you, when people talk to me about healing at first, I was like, I don't want to heal. You know, I'm like, forget about whether I can heal. I don't even want to heal. I want to feel miserable. It's, I'm going to honor my, my daughter by being miserable for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's a fairly common thing. And you don't have to do that. They don't, our, our loved ones don't want us to be miserable. They want us to be happy. And again, my approach is she didn't go anywhere. You know, she didn't, she didn't die. She didn't cease to exist. First of all, she didn't go somewhere to some far off heaven where she could never see me until the time I cross over. She's still right here. And I will see her again. And I tell people, if you can grasp those three concepts, then that will make your grief so much easier. It'll make it, it won't take it away. You're still going to miss their physical presence. But if you, when you get to that part where you're, you're just, I can't go on any longer, just remember that and learn to connect with them while they're here. Shannon sends me signs all the time. Um, she comes to me through mediums. She'll drop in on mediums. They'll call me up and say, Shannon dropped in and told me to tell you this. Um, so she's still a very, very big part of my life and, and let them be a part of your life. That's right. Absolutely true. And I have this same experience from my end. 
with my husband and all. Brian, what is your tip with all you've been through? What is your tip for finding joy in life? Well, my tip for finding joy in life, you know, again, um, after Shane the past, I was like, I'll never find joy. I mean, and, and so I want to tell people when you feel that, I think you will feel that. Just know that that's not true. And you're not going to believe me right now. Uh, I talked to someone this morning, her, her son passed just last month. So to, you know, that's not something you're going to believe, you know, at the very beginning, but you, you can find joy again. Um, the key to finding joy, as I said, in terms of coming out of grief is to understand what this life is really all about and understand that this, this loss that we feel is temporary, that we will see them again. Um, the key to finding joy in life in general, I believe, is, is to find your purpose and to serve other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, I, and I know that to some people that might sound strange, um, but I believe that that's really kind of the way that we're designed. And I think that's ultimately what brings people real joy. You can pursue all kinds of other things, and they might bring you temporary happiness. But I think a lot of times once people actually attain the things that they're pursuing, they'll find that those things don't really bring them, you know, long, long-term joy. So that would be my key. That, I think that's great. I think that's great. And I really think that there are a lot of people who, like you say, they make a lot of money and whatever. And, uh, and or e- even if they don't make a lot of money or whatever, but they're still very unhappy inside. So uh, to find to find contentment and the keys to that. Sometimes you really need a little help. You need someone to, to step in there to point things out that are not coming from inside of you, who you are naturally. And that's where Brian comes in. Yeah. You know, right. I can't even tell you how much I appreciate this informative and enlightening interview. Your mission is so very noble, Brian. It's helping to raise the consciousness of the planet by helping people realize who they are, why they're here, and to help them be the best they can be while, the, while they are here. Your mission resonates with the mission of Grief and Rebirth, which is to enlighten, inspire, and open people's hearts and minds to the many ways that they can heal. Thank you, everyone, for continuing to spread the word about Grief and Rebirth podcasts so that we can continue to bring you the wisdom and insights of wonderful, gifted people like Brian. By the way, Brian, I'm sincerely looking forward to seeing you and your amazing colleagues at what will be an incredible Helping Parents Heal conference in South Carolina next April. And a reminder, everyone, to please like Irene Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you. Many, many blessings. And surely, as I often like to say, especially where Brian is concerned, to be continued. (laughs) My heartfelt thanks and bye for now.